Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to a special edition of the Cords and Sports podcast, something I'm calling the China Chronicles. It is Sean Cavanaugh, and I'm here to just Tell a few of my favorite stories about my time covering the Beijing Winter Olympic Games in China in a very unique situation, as it was called there, the closed loop or a COVID bubble, as you will. So we were suppressed under a lot of different rules. We couldn't go anywhere besides, you know, the Olympic venues, the arenas where the sports were happening, the buses and trains to get there, and then the, uh, the main media center, which is this giant convention center where all the studios and journalists were working, and then the hotels that were inside, deemed inside the loop where everybody was staying. So it was a very, very unique experience. And I kind of want to just come on here on this podcast and tell you a little bit about some of those stories, some of the highlights, some of the crazy tales that occurred while I was over there reporting on the Beijing Olympics. And obviously that's going to start with, from the beginning, an insane way to start off the trip. I was going there, spent two months there, but boy, did it begin with... Quite a bumpy road, thinking that it might not even last very long at all. So, jump right in. Enough of me rambling. Before this, we get there, right? China has all these rules because, you know, it's China. And at the time, especially American citizens, but no citizens were allowed into the country. You couldn't just visit for touristing purposes or work purposes or whatever. You had to have a special visa, which we had through the the Olympics. So, we were basically given a special exemption to make it there. But in order to qualify for said visa, you had to do a bunch of things, including, you know, a couple, a bunch of forms, getting a QR code, sending in your things to immigration, and then most importantly, three COVID tests. The last one all had to be PCRs. The last one had to be from a facility approved by the local Chinese embassy in your country. Then if you had COVID at least 30 days before you were traveling to China, you had to take more tests. So that happened to me. I somehow get COVID around Christmas time, a little bit after, through the new year. I'm leaving in January for China, so I have to take six PCR tests before I went to China. Finally get them all done. The last one, we had to drive all the way to Gainesville to go to an approved facility. Before that, I thought I was going to have to fly to LA or Chicago because those were the closest ones before they finally added one random lab in Gainesville, Florida. Drive all the way up there, get the test. It's negative ready to go. I'm waiting for the results. I'm going to the airport on my way to begin my 30-hour journey over to China. The first flight is from Orlando to Los Angeles, LAX. And I was told that, all right, you'll be able to get there. It's a domestic flight. You'll be able to get there. Don't worry about not having the QR code. We're going to get your results back. Go to the desk, check in my luggage. They're like, nope, you need the QR code to be green before we let you on, even though it's a domestic part of the flight. So I'm stressing. My flight gets delayed, thank goodness, because I was like just sitting there stressing. I'm calling people, the people I'm working with, just emailing like, please help me, please help me. I can't get the QR code. They're calling the Chinese embassy for me. Just keep texting me back like, refresh, refresh, refresh. I finally get it, send it in, get the results. Something's wrong with the test. I put the address in wrong. I'm sweating at the gate. Finally, the the stinking code turns green, get through the gate, make it through security, make it to LA, land in LA at like middle of the night in the international wing. For whatever reason, everything was closed. So I ate like some dinner out of a vending machine. 
that was you know before the longest leg of the journey so finally everything goes well get on the plane fly to tokyo then tokyo to beijing 30 hours later i'm finally in the beijing international airport which is just this massive massive structure and it's empty it's just dead because obviously there's no commercial flights there's not even flying within domestically in china at this point because of their zero covid policy so we land and the sky is really gray as you know everyone talks about the pollution and the smog that is stereotypically around you know the big chinese cities and I remember flying through Tokyo. I took a picture out of the window and it was so clear. You could see the whole city, see Mount Fuji, and then landing in Beijing and it was just gray. You couldn't see anything. So we land, finally get off the plane. Everyone is wearing full hazmat suits. I'm talking like Mon- like the people from Monsters, Inc. Looked from head to toe. You could only see their eyes and even their eyes were covered by goggles and a visor mask. Complete hazmat suits. It looked, you know, dystopian. I remember, so we're walking through the airport, you just, you know, taking you from one spot to the other, check your passport here, check this here. Had to do another COVID test when we land. And when I tell you it was the most, I've done a lot of COVID tests by this point. When I tell you it was the most painful COVID test ever, they shoved that thing deep like into my brain, up my nose, and did, you know, both nostrils. And just for good measure, I guess, in your throat as well. Just people were gagging, people's noses were bleeding. Everyone's walking out like, oh my God, you know, just... Painful, painful COVID test. Get to a bus. It's really, really cold because it's winter time. And I just immediately notice like there's so many cameras everywhere. Like every corner, every corner you turn, there's another camera. There's another camera on the bus. You find another camera and you just realize like you're just being watched. So we're driving through the city, you know, trying to take it all in. 30 hours of travel plus a 13 hour jump ahead time difference. Just completely out of it, right? Get to the hotel. They're like, do not even check in. Here's your key. Go straight to your room and wait in your room. Do not leave the room until you get your test results back. So I finally get my test results back. They're like, hey, you tested positive. I was like, what? How's, how's that possible? How did I test positive? I just took six COVID tests before I even got here. How am I possibly positive? So they're like, don't worry. We'll come up. We'll test you again. We'll, we won't get the results in the morning. So just sleep, stay in the room. You'll be fine. A lot of people are testing positive from the airport test. Okay. I wake up, going about the day, still can't leave the room, look outside, it's snowing, just a beautiful view of one part of the city. And I was like, oh, this is nice. I get a call from the hotel manager, and he's like, oh, some French guy. He's like, oh, so sorry, uh, you tested positive again. Uh, you're going to be taken to a, a isolation hotel. I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, what? An isolation hotel? So I ask him, like, the name of it. He's like, it's a Galaxy Hotel. I don't know. It's supposed to be new. Uh, what? So I Google, start Googling, like, Galaxy Hotel. You know, where am I going? Because right now I was in, like, a five-star hotel they put us in. And I'm like, okay, well, hopefully, you know, something nice we're getting taken to. Isolation Hotel sounds crazy. Also, you're, you might just go to all the worst places, right? You're in China. They... You know, the Western media loves to hyper-sensitize what they do to, you know, people who have been having COVID and how they like to isolate them and put them in wherever. So your mind starts thinking like, oh my God, I'm, get- I'm getting taken. I'm getting taken. Where am I going? I Google Galaxy Hotel. Doesn't even show up on Google. The closest thing is some like massive casino in Macau, which I know that's clearly not where I'm going. That's very far away. So the hotel doesn't even exist, according to the internet. I'm waiting around for like hours till they finally come. Someone comes, knocks on the door and they're like, full hazmat suits again, barely speaking English. They're like, come with us. 
take your stuff. So we go downstairs to the lobby. You know, no one's there. Just these two people escorting me in their full hazmat suits. We get outside. It's snowing again. And I'm, I'm looking around like, is there a bus, a taxi? You know, kind of looking around. There's an ambulance sitting there. I'm like looking around it. And they go up to the ambulance, open up the back. And they're like, get in. In, in there? In the, what? In the, in the ambulance? Oh, okay. So they put all my luggage in there. I sit in it. No one's looking at me. They're all like looking straight ahead. They tap the, you know, on the glass, like, okay, driver, go. Driver's in full hazmat suit, too. The two people are sitting, like, in the back of the ambulance with me, like, five feet away, just facing forward, not even looking at me. And one of them is holding, like, this little walkie-talkie. And I'm thinking, like, oh, that's just a little communication thing. Then I realized, like, no, it's not a walkie-talkie. I was like, oh, maybe it's just, like, a thermal scan, like, a temperature thing. And I realized, no, it's moving. And I can see, like, this little screen. I'm like, oh, that's a camera. Like, they're just filming me the whole time as if like I'm a criminal or something. And then the guy turns on the sirens and he starts driving as if I'm like bleeding out in the back of the ambulance, like rushing to the hospital. The dude's swerving in between roads. And again, it is snowing. So the roads are slick. This guy's just flying back and forth. We almost crash into another car where we needed, we would have needed the ambulance. I'm in the back, just like gripping my backpack, like laughing through it. But I remember I took a picture and there's just total fear in my eyes. But at the time, I was just in denial, like trying to look out the back of the window, like, okay, like this is insane. You know, my phone isn't working because I don't have it turned on to data. So there's no Wi-Fi, obviously. And even with the Wi-Fi that I had at the hotel, I hadn't gotten my VPNs like all configured. So I had no WhatsApp was blocked. Instagram was blocked. The only thing that worked is iMessage. But basically, iMessage is only used by Americans. So any of my colleagues over there who I was supposed to be working with were all from different countries. Like no one uses iMessage, so I couldn't have reached out to any of them. And then anyone back home was like asleep because I was 13 hours ahead. So I was basically just alone. No one knew where I was going. I didn't know where I was going. We're driving further and further away from the city and it's like getting less and less buildings. You know, this is my first day there, so I hadn't seen much of it. I have no idea where I am in Beijing. We're getting further and further. We pass like this military compound. I'm like, oh my God, please. That cannot be it. That, that, that cannot be it. We keep driving. Thank God. We drive up to this um, building. It looks kind of more like a hospital. It's just this big gray, very, you know, communist architecture. Like just, just no substance to it. You know, there's no style. It's just a gray looking building. Uh, drive under this like ornate Chinese gate. It's, there's a che security checkpoint, a bunch of cops. We like stop. They talk to the cops. We drive past the cops, they like come back, open the door. They left me there for a little bit, then they come back, open the door, like, okay, here, come. So they like take all my bags out, walking through the snow, go into the lobby, and it looked like more like an ER waiting room than a hotel lobby. And they take me to the elevator, they're like, okay, we take you to your room, go up to my room, they open the door, they say, like, okay, here it is. And they're like, well, dinner will be dropped off at or no, they're like, breakfast will be dropped off at 6.30 in the morning. Your COVID test is at 9. Here you go. And they hand me a piece of paper with like just really poorly translated instructions. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now this room, like, mind you, I just came from like a five-star hotel they put us in with a king-size bed and a view of the city and like an extra room for a desk with a walk-in shower and everything. And then this room was basically kind of like a Holiday Inn Express. So it wasn't terrible, but the walls were so gray and the window, the window when I tell you was just this tiny little thing in the corner of one wall. It was the only window. You couldn't even open it. Only one little square of it was operable and even that part was screened in. 
So you could just like stick your head in the corner to glimpse outside to watch the snow or whatever. And it just felt like, okay, I'm trapped here. And like you read the paper and the, uh, it tells you like, you know, the Wi-Fi and stuff. The Wi-Fi is so slow. None of my VPNs are working because the internet doesn't, doesn't have the capacity to support a VPN. Um, I'm trying to reach out to people. Like the only way I can communicate, my VPN on my phone is completely useless. So all I can do is like use messaging on Instagram. I can't download WhatsApp on my laptop to email, uh, to message my colleagues because you need a verification code on your phone and my phone wasn't working. So it was basically like really, really hard. All I had was emails that worked sometimes because even Gmail is blocked by the Chinese firewall. So I'm just freaking out like what the hell is going on? How did I end up here? Oh, so how is my test even positive? Finally, I get a call from like the COVID officer for who we're working with. And it's like some kid my age and he's like, hey man, how's it going? I'm like, oh, not great, dude. Like, where am I? I don't know where I am. I'm looking at the paper. I tried to Google it again. The name of the, on the piece of paper they gave me of the hotel, again, doesn't come up on Google. It was like a different name than like the logo that was on the towels and stuff. So I was like, what is this place? I think eventually I realized it was like a hotel that they built, but I don't think they ever finished. Like maybe the company went bankrupt during COVID and then they turned it into like a uh, a COVID isolation center. So I guess in China, uh, one of the policies they tried to do when they were trying to grapple the, with the pandemic was they used to send people who have tested positive just to isolation in hotels. And I guess this might have been one of the COVID hotels that they did that with and now we're using for the Olympic. So yeah, there I am sitting in the lonely room after that just insane ambulance journey ride finally figure out you know what's going on they're saying that the uh the tests are a little bit more sensitive in china and they're still trying to figure it out but basically i don't get out of the room until i test negative twice so that was the first day of my seven day journey and i will take you just a little bit day by day of what ended up being a week-long stay in this isolation hotel. Day two. Uh, I remember just, I did a lot of yoga and like just stretching for fun. And I remember just sitting outside that tiny little window I was talking about, just watching the snowfall and trying to like stick my head out. And I remember when the nurses came to take the COVID test, I asked them like, oh, it's so nice outside. Like, can I go for a walk? Like the one person that spoke any kind of English and she was like, no, 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 you can't, no, 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 no. And like, anytime you ask for something in China, their first response was always like, no. Like, even though they were being nice and stuff, you would try to ask it, you know, in broken Mandarin or what you could have tried or just like try and really simplify your English. I just ask for something, you know, simple, like a towel or something in the hotel. And their first response was always like, no, until they understood you, you know? So <laughs> I thought like, but this is my first experience with this. So she was just like, no, 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 you can't, no, no. And I was like, well, just to walk like, and she goes, no, 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 you stay inside your room. Do not leave past the door. Do not go anywhere. It's better for your health to stay inside. And I'm like, um, it's not better for my mental health to stay in this room, but okay, got it. And I remember just sitting around, like trying to kill the time, still dealing with the jet lag and being so tired because the wake up call for breakfast was at 6 30 in the morning and they came and like rang my doorbell and banged on it which they did every day if you didn't pick it up right away they would come back and be like hey take your food bang on the door again and i remember laying there and there was this so the tiny window is in the corner right and there's just like one painting 
on the walls, this very gray walls. There was like one of those just very generic, you know, Jackson Pollock imitation paintings that you could tell like wasn't really art. It was just something you'd buy at like in the corner of Home Goods that somebody puts up in the wall of like a La Quinta. And the uh, they had taken the room was clearly made for like you could see the indentations on the carpet, the dark gray carpet of two beds in the room and they had taken out the second bed. So there was like room for just, you know, so many room for activities. And there was a TV, but it was all in Mandarin. So I turned it on. Even the menu was in Mandarin. Like you couldn't even get to other channels to like try and just surf through them. Like the whole menu was in Mandarin. So I had no chance there. And I remember just laying there for a while, looking at the uh, the walls and there's this, by the AC unit and next to the tiny window, they had put this fake plant just like stuck it on the walls, almost as if they were like, oh, we're going to trap people in these rooms. Let's give them at least some sort of nature. You know, they can't go outside. They can't open the window. Let's let's give them something. So they just stuck a fake plant to the wall that was hanging with like one little vine. It wasn't even a real plant. And I thought it was just the perfect summation of like, okay, this really just is a nice touch, some nice decor for the room. And that was day two. Day three. I remember they bring, they're bringing the food now, right? And I'm starting to realize it's the same thing every day. So for breakfast, I don't know how you mess up toast. Toast is one of those things that even a child can make, right? It's one of the first things you learn to make and you think you're cooking because you made some toast for yourself for breakfast. They somehow messed up toast. It was like the worst bread, the you know, basically like whatever is below Wonder Bread, lightly toasted, just eating cardboard with some strange beans that I weren't terrible. They were honestly like the best thing. Some scrambled eggs that tasted just like the eggs from McDonald's. Um, some strange sausage. And they kept trying to make like Western meals. I remember lunch that day was the worst pizza I've ever had in my life. There were some strange chicken wings that came. And they had asked once, they were like, do you want Chinese or Western food? And I was like, Chinese or whatever, like I'm fine with whatever thinking like at least the Chinese food would be you know I'll just jump right in I got nowhere to go at least I'll try it and it'll be authentic right if you know if you ask me and I'm making food for you and I asked you if you wanted western or Chinese food you probably know that I'm better at making western food than Chinese food so that food would be better but nope they just ignored what I said they kept trying to make western food and they were just failing every time just some meals I would go eat like one thing and put it back and I just remember always asking like you could call this one number and ask for like anything you wanted and they would most of the time just be like no or they'd be like oh we'll try and I remember calling and like asking like can I just get some fruit and they just came with a bag of mandarins that looked with the branches still on them as if somebody had just went in the back and there's some grove back there and took them off a tree and I remember the uh the guy who brought them was like trying to teach me that oranges are good for my health and we're going to fight COVID. And I was like, yes, agreed, please give me more. I know. And even better was I called and was like, you know, basically I was just calling this number sometimes just for somebody to talk to. Because you're stuck in isolation. You start looking at the walls, you know, start talking to that fake plant that was on the wall. So I call and just try start trying to guess, you know, what, what can I get? Let's, let's, let's ask. And I remember asking, I was like, is there... Anyway, I can get some fruit. And they're like, yes. And I was like, can I get some extra towels to put down, make like a fake yoga mat? They're like, yes. And then I asked, I was like, 
can you get me a guitar? I was like, I, just to play some music and stuff. I'm like messing with the person. And she starts laughing and she's like, no, 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 I'll try, but I don't think so. I'm sorry. I was like, well, it was worth a try. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, the TV, does that work? Like, is there some way? Can you at least just tell me like what button to press to like watch it? And she was like, I'll send someone. I was like, what? I thought I wasn't supposed to see anyone. So somebody comes up to my room, full hazmat suit, whole like trash bag over the hazmat suit, comes in with the gloves and he's like, TV, TV. And I was like, well, yeah, no, it's, it's working. I just don't know how to use it. He spoke no English. At this point, I knew zero Mandarin besides thank you. And so he grabs the remote and he starts like showing me power. This turns on. I was like, yeah, I, I know how to use a remote, man. And it's like, here, look. And then he's like clicking on it and he's showing me like volume up, down. I was like, yes, I know how to use a remote. I just don't know how to read Mandarin. And he just kept going and I just let him go. He just went through the whole thing, basically how to turn on TV on and off. And then he kept going through and he was like explaining to me in Chinese the different apps. And I was like, I I don't know. It's okay, dude. It's okay. And I kept trying to say like, it's okay. It's okay. And then he wrote down a whole map. He's like one by one. He's like one. And he's drawing like in, he writes in the Chinese symbols and then writes like one and draws like a power button. And then like two, like channel this. And I was like, yes, now I have a great like signal flow chart of how to turn on a TV. And that's when I just gave up. I was like, oh, there's probably nothing even in there in English anyways. I don't know how to t- work this thing. Like, the TV's out. At least I have my laptop. And that was day three. Day four is when I started getting into just, like, prison-style workouts. You know, I was shadow boxing. I was doing, like, two-a-days, all these hit classes, just going up on YouTube, just searching, like, fitness classes, yoga classes, just to kill my day. And I remember the soundtrack to that day was... I think I was listening. One of my colleagues sent me a Isolation by Joy Division. And I was just listening to that on a loop the entire time. And the great part about the time difference was, so they'd wake me up at like 6.30 for breakfast. And because of the time difference, all of our American sports, so it was like the NFL season was in the playoffs, uh, college basketball, and the NBA were in the heart of their regular seasons. The Australian Open was going on. So, but for all the American sports, they were all on in the morning. So I would just be up and all my mornings from like 7 a.m. to 9, I'd just be watching like really bad streams of the NFL or like finding some illegal stream that would work. And then it third quarter would go by and then the stream would fail. I'd have to scramble to find another one. Didn't know what happened on the last three plays. I was usually like five minutes behind sometimes. I remember like my dad would text me and be like, did you see that? And I'd be like, no, I'm still in the third quarter. <laughs> and that basically was my morning every day of what sports are on back home, trying to find a stream that would work, hoping that the Wi-Fi would keep working. And that really got me through a lot. Those Watching those NFL playoff games on some sketchy streaming site and all those college basketball games really killed my morning and made it a lot easier to stomach those beans and strange sausage and terrible, terrible, terrible toast. Day five now is getting grim. Uh, I'm having like, you know, Zoom messages with my boss who I'm supposed to be working with. Still haven't even seen him yet. All of the people who I haven't even met yet on my team are like sending me messages basically like, I can't imagine like staying in there, like feel so bad for you. And honestly, they're like how dramatic they were making it sound made it a lot easier for me. Of course, you know, my parents back home were freaking out. 
And this was when it started like settling in a little bit. And, you know, my boss is like, I've put in the work. It's up to you. But we found we've begun the preliminary steps to get you home. Like, this is ridiculous. And this is when we started realizing, I was like, this makes no sense. I'm not sick at all. The nurses by this time would come up and they'd take my, you know, temperature and vitals, heartbeat, whatever, and do the COVID test. And they'd be like, you're fine, right? Are you good? You're sick? I was like, no. And they'd laugh and be like, oh, yep, temperature's good. You're fine. No fever. I was like, yeah, I'm not sick. Like, get me out of here. I don't have COVID. I don't know why I keep testing positive. And then we realized speaking with the uh, the COVID officer, we started realizing because I wasn't the only one anymore. Apparently, there were other people there. I never saw them or heard them, but I wasn't the only one. And we were realizing that the way they were doing the COVID tests, basically like a PCR test, runs your takes a sample and runs it a bunch of times, like say 200 times or something. And that makes it more accurate because they run it more times. And basically, however many times the virus shows up, say it shows up like 40 times, that'll be deemed positive. But anything less than 40, you're deemed a negative value. So in the US, a lot of times it's like 35 to 40 or something is what we deem positive above that. But in China, their number was set at like 25. So they're completely different standards and deeming like like positive. And then my the guy was showing me the chart and it was all over the place. So they were sending each sample to like five different labs and one was showing like 15 and then another one was like 38 and then another one was like 39. So I was negative in two other labs, but this one lab over here was like 15 and apparently everyone was having this issue. So there was no hope. The guy was like laughing basically. Like we're like, this is impossible. Like how am I supposed to test negative? And they're like, we're trying to organize with the committee and we're telling them, trying to get them to change the rules, but you know, it's China and they can kind of do whatever they want and they're not really listening. And then they changed the rules and it still didn't help because they changed the number from like down to 35 or something that was still impossible. So he's like, yeah, the only way you're getting out is to test negative twice. So I was doing crazy things. I was, you know, gargling salt water because that might clear things up. I was adding lotion to my nose to try and like block what they were, mess up the sample. I remember one time I, I think I, the one day I like gargled a bunch of mouthwash right before the all my results like jumped out of nowhere like all the numbers were getting better and then that day they like dipped really low so i was like extra positive i was like oh that didn't work i screwed up something i don't know what happened but something about that day screwed up so then i finally just like gave in and you know every day they'd come up for the test and i just be like okay please just get me out of here i just, the isolation was starting to set in you know I said i was going to start writing a book i think i wrote like one sentence in was just doing a lot of push-ups and workouts and was just trying to find any way to kill the time. And I remember that day ended with just watching an entire season of like Too Hot to Handle of all the sad reality shows. You know, I could have gone Love Island. I could have been watching like The Bachelor or something, but Hulu wasn't working. You know, all of the sad, you know, the Kardashians are selling Sunset of all the sad reality shows. I watched a whole season of Too Hot to Handle in a day. That was that was the low, low point of day five but the accents in it helped you know i understand why you guys watch uh, a lot of love island and stuff like that it really helps a lot especially in those times where you just are isolated and stuck in one room in beijing china halfway around the world so day six was just a lot of like self-reflection you know you're staring at the walls all you have to do is really just talk to yourself and really really look inside you know somehow i didn't really have any tears this whole time um, you know, I think a lot of the messages that I was getting from other people saying how crazy it was kind of gave me 
it seems so crazy to them that being there, I was like, well, it's not as bad as they think it is. Or maybe I was just in denial. It was my coping mechanism. So I'm going through all this, just kind of like the defeat is settling in a little bit. Like, was this even worth it? I flew all the way over here. Am I going to about to just fly 30 hours back home for absolutely nothing? Like, hopefully, maybe something happens. And then I get a little glimpse of hope. I got a negative test that day. So just one negative test the next day and I'm out. Finally, you know, six days later, there's a chance. So day seven comes and I'm just, you know, anticipating the test all day. I'm waiting for the test results, waiting for the test results. Finally get the call. It's negative. I remember immediately getting off the call. I was yelling in the room. I think at this point, I think someone had just like checked in next to me because I could hear some music coming from the room next door. I remember I was going to like talk through the air vents. I remember banging on the wall, like trying to start a conversation. But of course, that person was just there the first day. So he was I just like heard muffled yelling the whole time. I'm sure he was complaining. You know, I can't believe I'm stuck here. He didn't know he wasn't seven days in like I was. He had just the fresh start that first, you know, the anger. None of the coping mechanisms had settled in. He wasn't on the next stage of grief. So there was no communication there, but I didn't even care. I remember I got that call. I was just screaming, like, let's go, let's go. Freedom, baby. We are free. Didn't care. I remember I packed up all my suitcases like a kid getting ready for summer camp or something, you know. I was just packed them all up, sitting on them, waiting, like, when am I leaving? When am I leaving? When am I leaving? When am I leaving? Finally, they get the call. They tell me, like, okay, get ready. Then they call me again. They're like, actually, the car's delayed. Like, sit and wait. And I'm like, oh, come on, please, please, please. Finally, I get down to the lobby, and then the ambulance still isn't showing up. And they're like, hey, you need to call your person. I'm like trying to call. My phone's not working. Finally get through. And they're like, oh, it should be there. And my ride is not there. Everyone is confused. I'm sitting with the nurse, who's actually really nice, and was like the one that spoke English, communicating with her. And she was like, well, how long are you here? And I was like, seven days. You know, I said it all like, I can't believe it's been this long. And she goes, oh, the person that just left before you was here for 30. I was like, 30? How, what? How were they even here for a month? Like, you kept them here for 30 days? I could not imagine. Apparently, they're like one of the first people there. So before they had changed all the rules. So this person was just on their own until they finally got the negative test. So it's like, thank God I was only there for seven Finally, another ambulance comes, of course, because that is apparently the only way to transport people <laughs> who have been infected, the poisoned ones, as I was, I guess. Uh, get in the ambulance, drive back into the city to the five-star hotel, back in this you know, nice room. Finally, open up my room and ended up with like two single beds in one of the older rooms, but I didn't even care. The bed was somehow worse, but didn't care. I was free. Finally made it out, and I remember we're just walking around the hotel in like the middle of the night. Nothing was open, but I just kept walking in circles around the hotel because I was like, "Oh, I can finally go somewhere." I could remember just like finding a door to just step outside and like, "Oh, fresh air." Even though it's Beijing and the pollution is still a thing, so it wasn't really fresh air. And you're breathing through a mask because you had to wear a mask at all times, and not just a mask, but an N95 mask. But I didn't care because I was free. I was out of the isolation. And that was the beginning of my journey in Beijing. Now I'll have a lot much more about maybe another edition with some of my colleagues um, telling our favorite stories about what happened, some of the best stories, some of the best little moments, things in there of being trapped in the closed loop, working in that environment, living that environment for two months was 
quite something. So that'll be on the next edition, part two of the China Chronicles. Hope you enjoyed this story about my first week there, about how the moment and the time I was detained in Beijing, China. So appreciate you listening. Hope that was a fun one, a little bit different. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.